Welcome to episode 74 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Becky, Ian, and Brenda. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Becky, Ian, and Brenda, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Does fear keep you from acting? Can you move forward in faith instead? Well, stick around as we talk about faith over fear. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of faith over fear. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is co-host Adrian. How are you doing today, Adrian? I'm wonderful, thank you. And I'm glad you're here in this uh, nice, warm, sunny day in this nice, warm studio. <laughs> it is. It is warm <laughs> inside and out. Yeah. The uh, the first segment of today's episode of the Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic faith over fear. Following a musical break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. wanted to open with a reading. I have a couple of readings today. I'll read this one at the beginning and then the other one at the end. Uh, this one's more about fear than about faith, uh, but it really it, it touches on both because you know, we don't have a reading that just is the problem and not any of the solution, right? So this is page 84 in Al-Anon uh, Reader, One Day at a Time in Al-Anon. Sometimes I find myself relapsing into old patterns that used to dominate my thinking and feeling before I knew Al-Anon. I was crushed and defeated by the daily battering of living with an alcoholic. I was afraid of everything and everybody. Then, by attending meetings and reading Al-Anon Faces Alcoholism, my courage began to seep back into me. Yet sometimes, facing a new crisis or a challenge, such as being asked to speak at a meeting, all the old fears and doubts come surging back, but only for the moment. I remind myself of all that I have learned in Al-Anon and of the new dignity and confidence it has given me. Today's reminder, when I am able to accept the help of my higher power, it makes me feel capable of doing anything I am called upon to do. I am overcoming my fears. I am acquiring a comfortable new confidence. And the quote here is, courage is fear that is said its prayers. And, you know, I thought that that related nicely because of the, particularly because of the connection that courage is fear that is said its prayers, that when we have faith, it gives us courage maybe to move forward um, into our fears. Uh, have any reflections on the reading? Um, yeah, no, I really like what you just said about, um, uh, I, I like the very, the very closing part about the, uh, fear that is said its prayers, because basically that's certainly works for me. That's how I handle uh, when I when I get most afraid. Um, it's now my reaction uh, <laughs> to, you know, to, to pray on it first and, and freak out. You know, if, if I'm choosing to freak out, I'm like, okay, I'll freak out after I pray. Mm. And, we'll, and we'll see if I still want to freak out at that oh, point. That's, that's a, good, a good way to look at it. Yeah. So it's a matter of, uh, I don't know, I'm, what the program has taught me is how to take that pause before, you know, before I lose my mind entirely and just remember, huh, there are steps I can take and um, let me start by praying and, uh, and asking for, for help and guidance. And uh, that seems to work for me. Okay. Um, well, I want to uh, 
circle back uh, to, uh, you know, the beginning, as it were, um, and maybe think a little bit about how, how things were. I know how things were for me before I found any um, faith in the program, uh, that a lot, of, a lot of my actions or inactions were really ruled by fear. You know, there were some obvious, obvious fears related to the reason I came to Al-Anon, such as fear that my loved one would relapse or fear that, that her alcoholism would really, you know, destroy her health and possibly she would die from it. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a real fear. I mean, it's not, that's not something that's made up. Uh, but the way in which I acted or didn't act on it, I think, has really changed. But there were other fears in my life. I mean, I, it's, it's really, you know, if you look at the outside of my life, I think it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. I look like I'm fairly successful. I'm well-educated. I have a good job. I have a, you know, happy family um, you know, yeah, 15 years ago there was, there was active alcoholism. 10 years ago there was active alcoholism. Uh, but you wouldn't have seen that. Uh, and, and what you would not have seen in, in the way that I presented myself uh, at work or with my friends was this sort of innate fear of not being accepted. Uh, the, uh, I was talking about this in a, I think it was just in another podcast or in a meeting of the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that if people really knew what was inside me, like, I'm an imposter in my job, I'm an imposter in my life, that I don't really deserve what I've got, I'm not really qualified for it. This has, has ruled my life for, for a very long time. And I, I, it might be interesting to do some, you know, sort of psychoanalysis and say, well, where the heck did this come from? Because I, I feel like I grew up in a, in a loving family and that my parents were very supportive of me and, and believed in me, but I didn't believe in myself. So that's where I started. That's where I was coming from when I came into the program. How about you? I want to. I just say I, I relate to that entirely. And for the longest time, I, I thought I was the only one. I felt like I was such a faker. Um, my sponsor still tells me, um, "Don't compare your, you know, other people's outsides to your insides," because um, we're all. I think we all do a certain amount of faking it out there, and you know, in general, and as competent as we are. So many of us still struggle with uh, believing that we are. Uh, we never, never seem to feel enough. I, I never seemed to, to feel enough. I never thought I fit in. I was always very uh, overly conscious of that. Um, so yeah, the, uh, that was there was fear every day. There's fear. Um, you know, I'm pretty well respected at my job, and then inside, I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, if they only knew, they give me all this credit, and I don't feel like I deserve it. And, um, and I, I know on a different level that I do, but there's this deep seated and, and I don't know after all these years and even after, you know, a good solid year and a half in, in, in the program, um, it's still, it's still there. It gets smaller and smaller, especially as, um, the more meetings I go to and talk to other people who just, you know, who say things like you just said, um, that, that you can relate to those things too. And it's not just us. It makes me feel so much less alone in, in that. Um, so that's yeah helpful. Yeah. And I, and, and I think you've really touched on one of the ways in which the Al-Anon program, and I think, you know, 12 step programs or, or self-help programs in general, 
help us to face our fears, help us to move past our fears, because it 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 destroys that illusion of aloneness, of uniqueness, that when we can come to identify and see that, uh, you know, everybody else's insides are much more like our, our insides than we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's that, that, that moment when, or moments probably, when I suddenly realized that what matters when I'm listening to somebody is not the difference between me and that person, but what's same between me and that person, mm-hmm. that that's when I really start to, to start to pull it in. And mm, yeah. Okay. Lost that train of thought. Uh, I want, I, I guess I want to just reflect some more on, on fears that I've had and how they have, um, you know, what, what, what the program has maybe done to help me there. Um, and I've talked about this one before, but this fear that I had still have to some extent, although it's much lessened about, um, you know, financial insecurity, about not having enough money, basically. I mean, that's what it is. Um, where this fear, and the, and there's a pattern here that extends into other areas of my life, but it was really obvious here that if I was afraid that maybe we didn't have enough money to, you know, pay all our bills by this month and we were going to have to take it from somewhere and wherever that might be, you know, um, that I would deal with this by not looking. That the fear was so paralyzing that I couldn't even look to see if the fear was unfounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that that is just for me is is just it's living in fear. I mean it's 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 just taking over there, and it's not letting me do the things that I might do. You know, if I know that. If I know how much money is left in my bank account, I might modify my spending this month. I might, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to know that. And and maybe and and there's lots of reasons why I might not want to know that. But the fear is there. The fear was real. And I just I did not know how to get past it. I really didn't. And I thought, well, maybe I need therapy. But you know, there's another fear there, like, and I don't really know how to how to put that one into words. Is it a fear of exposing myself to another person? Well, maybe, but, um, you know, I, I go with my wife to her therapist sometimes and, and I'm open there. So, you know, why would it be different with somebody who's actually mine? Um, is it the fear of just like admitting I can't do it on my own? Maybe, maybe. Uh, but so I didn't know how to deal with it and I just lived with it for a long time as it got worse and worse. Um, and, you know, I am I am immensely grateful that there were other people in my life that could pick up the slack when I was unable to do that, that they could look at the bank account and they could schedule payments and make sure that the credit cards were getting paid on time and, and you know, the right amount And because I couldn't do it. I physically could not do it. At least that's what it felt like. And... Uh, so, so we'll come to the solution, <laughs> but that one, that one was huge for me, and that, and it's, it's for me, it's an example where this program, which I came to this program not about that. I came to this program about, you know, hey, my wife's drinking, and I don't know what the hell to do about it. That's why I came. And, but what I, what I've gained here is so much more than just, um, which, which is not to say that the gaining the ability to live with her while she was still drinking was not huge. Um, And maybe it was the practice there 
the practice of letting go and letting God, of understanding that, you know, if I had no power over her alcoholism, if I had no power to make her stop drinking, that the only, the only, you know, power I had was to let it go to her higher power, um, which is sort of a paradoxical power of letting go. But, but the power of letting go there for me was to let go of the fear, to, to start to have faith that, um, you know, she could find sobriety and that it was going to happen with, without my doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I could, I could take that learning of, of letting go and apply it in other areas of my life. I was I was going to mention that uh, you 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 reminded me very much talking about uh, fear causing inaction, um, being frozen in place at, at times with with fear. Like you, you just want to sort of cover. I I've been there uh, a lot, just wanting to hide my head, and you know things seemed too overwhelming, and I was so scared that yeah, I wanted to ha- cover my eyes, and got frozen into inaction. Um, and as we all know, problems tend to grow bigger when you try to ignore them um, <laughs> magically. True. It's um, true. Yeah, the fear then, feeds on itself. Well, yeah, and and the other way that it works is that it uh, it spurred me into too much action. Mm. Um, when I was afraid of something, and I felt like the one who had to be responsible for absolutely everything. Mm. So, um, you know, if there was a problem with the bank account, it was my job to take care of it. If there's a problem with, um, you know, we need a lawyer for this, that, or the other thing, it's my job to do it. And so I was snatching up responsibility um, left, right, and center. And I didn't necessarily have to do that, but I didn't know what else to do. If, right. if you don't think the other person is going to do it, right. well, then also I never gave them the chance to do it. <laughs> you know, at the same time, it, um, it, it was a two-way street. Um, but, yeah, so it can freeze you into overaction, inaction. Um, just, it's just ugly, and it's a scary place, and, I, you know, it's very stressful. So maybe we should start to to move a little bit into the solution here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, faith to me is a it's a tricky word. Um, it it has it seems very straightforward, but it it has so many layers of meaning. From I think from society from. Uh, you know, faith from religion or faith as maybe we use it in the t- in the sense of faith in a higher power or faith that the sun will rise in the morning. Um, I mean, they're all they're all faith. They're all. I mean, I think the dictionary definition, and I did not look this up, but it's something like um, a belief without evidence, and that I guess as I came to understand. And I, and I, I really have to come back to this letting go and letting God that was so hard for me at the beginning of the program because of not having a concept of a higher power. And and it's really interesting, I think, the way that I came to believe. And, and I talked about this a few episodes ago, the one titled Came to Believe, that what what I heard in the rooms was, this worked for me. I heard people saying this worked for me. When I let go and let God, when I prayed, when I, um, you know, put my faith in the program, put my faith in 
God, put my faith in whatever, uh, then things happened. And I, re- I distinctly remember several people saying, well, you know, if you don't believe it's going to happen, you can just fake it till you make it. And because I thought I had pretty much tried everything that was in my power to do, I was kind of like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do I have to lose? I, I, what I, all the stuff I've been doing hasn't worked. So if, if, if this doesn't work, I, I'm no worse off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so coming to faith through unbelief uh, was kind of an interesting path for me. Uh, but, I mean, there, was, there must have been a little core of this could work. Um, and a friend has said, uh, in, fr- in fact, a friend of mine, I think, said they, they had this on their fridge. It says, you know, it'll be okay when it's over. <laughs> and if it's not okay, it's not over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I thought, well, yeah, right, okay. Um, you know, that, that sounds like a great excuse, right? You know? But what, what I've come to understand, what I've come to see, what I've come to experience um, is that when I have faith that the things that I have no control over will work out, they don't always necessarily work out exactly the way I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far... I'm okay, you know. Um, when my children make decisions about the way they're going to live their life that I don't agree with, that I have real fears about how they're going to turn out, um, you know, they may go through some pain. Uh, so far, they've come out the other end okay. And, but for me, I haven't had to live that pain with them. Ruth is in the chat room here. She says that sometimes I think all my sickness is about fear and stress. She's got a quote here. Our most vivid fears are, are often not the most realistic. And she says, I think of the stories I make up for myself. That's true. Uh, I fear mostly the worst I can imagine and think it will happen. And so last fall when my, my son went off to grad school and he had made this decision that he was going to live in a tent in the woods while he was at grad school. <laughs> You may remember me talking about this at meetings because I talked about it a lot back then because it was tough for me. Uh, and I had a lot of fears. I had, you know, I don't know, deliverance fears uh, <laughs> that, you know, whoever's land he was living on was going to, you know, find him and shoot him or whatever, maybe worse, uh, or that he would get arrested or that, I don't know, you know, somebody would come upon him and, and roll him and steal his stuff and beat him up. I mean, you know, all these fears, right? When, when, uh, and, and none of that happened. Uh, you know, I think the worst that happened to him was uh, getting really wet when it rained. And, uh, and it killed his phone. And, of course, it killed his phone, so then, you know, we didn't have any communication. So then I could, I could have let my fears run, run, run wild. And so these, these things would come up in my head, you know, this, oh, this awful thing's going to happen. And I had to remind myself over and over again that acronym of false evidence appearing real oh, I for heard fear. That yeah, it's it's in one of the readings somewhere, and in, 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 and I hear it uh, sometimes in meetings. But it's you know this is these fears that are in my head are about things that have not happened. They're about things that yeah they could happen, but they probably won't. Uh, and but I, when I let myself 
back into my old behavior, when I don't let my higher power in, uh, those fears take me to a place where it is real and it has already happened and I'm trying to figure out what to do as a consequence. Um, you know, and I don't need to be there. It's one thing to think about. So, you know, if he got mugged and ended up in the hospital, what would I do beyond making sure he had the insurance information? Probably, you know, I mean, depending how badly it was, I mean, maybe I would, maybe I would, you know, driver fly out there or maybe, um, you know, I would say, well, he's got doctors and they're taking care of him. And, uh, you know, so there's sort of planning. And, but, but living in, living in the future that hasn't happened is, it doesn't get me anywhere. It doesn't produce anything. Um, yeah. When, when you specifically say fear of the future, yeah, it's, um, I I sometimes think I I should be a screenwriter because the detail with which I can create these movies in my head, oh, yeah. um, you know, with the ending, you know, all the way through, you know, and uh, the other fear is uh, the past, of course. You know, you think about I don't know things that I've done, things I've said, and what someone thought about that, and those kinds of, of fears that are very useless. Um, and since I, you know, came into the program, I've tried to stay much more right in the present and and know that none of that is, is real. It's the only thing that is real is me here today. And um, But the other thing that crossed my mind was uh, the, the two kinds of um, faith you were talking about. Uh, initially, the, the faith that uh, letting go can work, could work, could possibly work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you watch it happen for other people. You know, other people, like you say, are saying, "Well, this works," and here's here's what my life is like now. And so, the first act of faith is, "Hmm, okay, I have faith that maybe this can work for me." And then the other kind of faith is when you do actually are able to let go of things and say, "This does work for me. This can work for me." Um, down the road, though, it's no longer um, without evidence. You said it was, uh, you know, because you've mm-hmm. seen it work. You've seen mm-hmm. it work for other people. You've seen it work for yourself. I have seen it work for myself. Um, I've seen miracles happen in my own life. I mean, instead of mithering about, you know, I'm worrying about things all the time, I just feel so much healthier now. I don't do it so much. I won't say that I never do it. Oh, yeah. Um, but I catch, I'm able to catch myself a lot more, a lot earlier before I go down, you know, crazy road um, <laughs> and get lost. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a really good observation because I was remembering, and that there were times, there there have been times, there probably will continue to be times uh, where I wake up in the middle of the night with some some worry on my mind, whether it's about money or about my children or about work uh, and in the, in the past and and not so much now if that happened you know I wake up at three in the morning and this thing is there and and it just would go round and round and round and there was no there was no way to interrupt it really it just it it kept going and it and it kept me awake you know sort of fret, fretful for maybe sometimes the rest of the night uh, maybe sometimes I would eventually be able to get back to sleep if I could, you know, maybe I'd get up and, and have a drink of water. And 
sort of interrupt it, and maybe I could then I could go back to sleep. But but it really had that power to keep me awake. And what happens more often now is I wake up and I say, "Oh, okay," but it's going to be okay. It will work out. And then I go back to sleep. Now that's faith in action for me. Mm-hmm. That yeah, there is this problem, but I will get through it. I will be okay. You know, I have resources, or if, if it's not something I can affect, that I have done what I can. And that's the other thing, is that the program has really taught me that once I've done the things that I can do, then, you know, again, we get back to this letting go, letting go and having faith. I've done the things I can do. I can't do anything more about this. Uh, it is not healthy for me to continue to, you know, um, worry, worry is not the word I want here. Just chew it over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, and uh, and so, having that that faith that came from the things before, that came from the evidence of other people's experience, and that that came from this this growing recognition, this growing understanding that I do have a higher power. That, that wants the best for me. And that it, I was listening to a talk, listening to an open talk, and the person talked to, was talking about step three um, and realizing that, um, you know, giving our will and our life to the care of our higher power is not sort of putting ourselves under God, but aligning ourselves with God. That when I align myself with my higher power, then I will start to instinctively do the things that that my higher power that are my higher power's will, and it's not it's not a fight. Um, and and I think the um, the promises in in uh, in the big book say something about instinctively come to. Do you remember how that goes? Instinctively be able to deal with situations that used to baffle us or yeah, something exactly. like that. And yeah. and that you know that sort of when my will is aligned with my higher power's will, then the thing that comes to me to deal with a situation is in line with my higher power and is therefore the right thing to do. So I'm sorry to, you know, I don't no. want to interrupt, but there's something you just said about the, about the alignment. It just reminded me, I, I just got a, a vision in my head of uh, like a harmony, um, if there's like a harmony of the universe um, and you're out of tune, it hurts. It is actually physically painful, at least to me. Um, it's hard to listen to. It doesn't feel right. There's something wrong. And when finally all, you know, if you, if you are that off note and you get yourself into alignment and into harmony with, with what the, you know, what the universe is, uh, where it's heading, where it's going, um, then it all seems like smooth sailing and it's beautiful and, um, and you sort of get a feel for where, where you're supposed to be going. Um, I don't know. That just sort of crossed my mind. Yeah. You know, the, I, I picked this topic um, actually on Wednesday, today's Sunday. I picked it on Wednesday because I was at a meeting, and a person who was sharing was talking about how all their life they had lived in fear from growing up in an alcoholic home, um, you know, running away to college at the very first possibility, uh, and that a lot of their life had been spent running from things they were afraid of or 
were not doing new things because they were afraid that it wouldn't work out, you know, afraid of the unknown. Um, they said, you know, change is hard for me because I fear change. But in the program, I have learned to choose to move forward in faith rather than sitting in fear. Mm-hmm. And that just so struck me. Uh, you know, and, and this person is facing a change in their life. They're, they're going to be going off to some new venture. And, and the, only, the only way they can reasonably do this is to, you know, let the faith take the place of the fear that this is going to, you know, they said, I will go to this new place and I will find a meeting and I will walk in and I will be at home. Um, you know, I have faith that I will be okay, even though everything around me will be new and strange. And and I thought, yeah. And how many times in my life have I not taken a change because of fear of what would happen, even though it might have been something that, that could have been really good? I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, I I was, I I am employed as a software developer. Uh, and back in the uh, um, the early 2000s, we had the whole dot-com boom, right? And I kept thinking, you know, I have friends who work for these companies out in Silicon Valley, and and I could probably get a job out there, and I could be, you know, making lots of money and stock options and sports cars and the whole deal, right? And mm-hmm. But what if it doesn't work, hmm. you know? I mean, I would have to, you know, I would have to like pack up my whole life and, and go somewhere else with it. And, and that's scary. I think I'll just stay here where I'm comfortable. And maybe that was the right decision. Uh, as, I, as I said a few years later, well, I still have a job. Okay, I didn't make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever in Silicon Valley, but I still have a job. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But the the there definitely at the time was this feeling of sort of regret for choices not taken. Right. Um, and I know that the choice was not taken because I preferred the comfort of the known to the fear of the unknown. And so I did not step out. Um, I don't know, have you, have you found yourself in that kind of a place? Um, yeah, I, I lived my entire life, uh, being afraid. I, um, it's interesting. I was thinking about my, when I was working on fourth step stuff and my character defects at fear, 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 everything stupid I've done was, you know, fear was a big reason for it. Um, all the things that I haven't done. I, I think back to, um, you know, should I have gone for a different degree? And I didn't go for the degree that I really wanted because I was afraid. I didn't want to leave home. I didn't want to leave town. I didn't, you know, I was, I was too afraid. Um, I don't necessarily regret that because I, I'm not sure that there's any one particular right way to go about your yeah, life. No. Um, you know, it's yeah. all different options. And I've, I've done the best with uh, the decisions that I've made over the years. But um yeah, and, and each time I find myself facing fear, and it's interesting because I didn't have, you know, in the past I have made some good decisions and, and faced fear, um, but it was, I think, a lot harder than it is now because I did not have that underlying 
belief that everything was going to be okay. You know, I, I went out there without, I, without a safety net and it was absolutely terrifying. So I tended not to do it very often. Um, now I find myself taking a lot more chances. Um, I've gotten through all kinds of things before and, and here I am, I'm just fine. And I am less afraid to do them now. And I do have that underlying belief that, um, I don't know. I feel very cared for. I feel very loved in my life. And I know that I, I feel a lot more free to to accept change and to not fear it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm going to, I got another story. I always have stories. Um, uh, a few years ago, the uh, um, the company that I worked for was trying to decide um, what to do with our, uh, with our software, uh, whether to basically keep on building with the software that we had in place or whether to sort of start fresh, um, build a whole new platform. One of the issues was that we were building on a, a platform that we had licensed from another company and it was about 10 years old technology and it was getting kind of creaky and it was hard for us to do the things that the company wanted to do. And so they said, well, how are we going to do this? And they took three of us, um, called us architects and said, you guys figure out how we're going to move forward here. So we spent a year, more or less, the three of us sort of locked in a closet I mean, almost literally a closet. <laughs> was our, uh, and uh, I mean, it used to be a storage room, right? but it was a space that was available that we could take over that was ours. And we said, how are we going to do this? You know, and we started laying out what were the challenges? What was it the company wanted to do? How did we think, what technologies did we think we could use to help address these challenges? And at the end of the year, more or less, nine months maybe, uh, we came up with a proposal. Um, there was consultation with outside companies. There was We got proposals from several large software companies. Uh, and we ourselves, the three of us, wrote a proposal. And those proposals went to the board of directors, and the board of directors chose ours. Talk about fear. <laughs> wow, we just bet the future of the company on what the three of us said. <laughs> the imposter syndrome like reared its ugly head major for me. I can't speak for the other two guys in the room, but I'll tell you what, I was like, what have we just done? But uh, two things. One is I don't think I would have gotten to where we were without having learned in this program to have faith in myself without having done the Al-Anon fourth step inventory, which also encourages us to look at our assets as well as our defects and to see the strengths that I had and to have those strengths, you know, validated when I, uh, because I did it in a group. And so we were sharing as we worked through step four, we were sharing what we had found with, with each other in this small group and to, to have that confidence and to understand that, um, it's okay for me to be open about the things I'm good at. It's okay for me to say, I'm good at this. I know this thing. Um, I needed that to get to where we got, to be able to say, 
yes, I, along with these other guys, these other two guys, believe that this approach is going to get us where we want to go um, in a way we can afford to get there. Um, and now we're doing it. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's working. Um, you know, it's being validated. That faith that I had that if we took this step forward onto this brand new pathway, doing things in a way that we had not done them before, um, that nobody in the company had any real experience using, um, that we were going to be able to do it. And what I see now in, in, in our organization, that sort of the excitement and the enthusiasm and the, um, the confidence uh, you know, is a real validation. But that first step forward into, you know, sort of off the edge of the cliff, if you will, with confidence that it wasn't really the edge of a cliff, even if it looked like it, mm-hmm. um, that was faith. That was faith. And I really, it would have been much more difficult for me to do that um, without what I've learned here about um, myself and about you know, having having some faith in myself and having some faith that that you know my higher power is not going to lead me in a direction that is going to destroy me. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it's important also to remember that yeah, that your higher power isn't going to lead you, and we can sometimes lead ourselves off the edge of a real cliff when we're not listening. Oh yeah, to our higher power. So <laughs> oh yeah, I've yeah, done it's, that too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that oh you know we're just sort of accepting. Everything's going to be just fine, um, you know. But there's also some some work behind that, and yes. and being able to to have that faith. Everything will work out for me if, as long as I am doing the next right thing, working my steps, keeping my side of the street clean. As long as I keep my end of the bargain, there there it's it's almost like a a living bargain to to me. Um, if I'm not doing the work, uh, then I'm tuning out any. Uh, chance of getting, I, I don't hear the harmony anymore. You mm-hmm. know, the, the mm-hmm. music stops, and, and so I, I don't know where I'm going. But, yeah, as long as I'm doing my part, I can I have faith that uh, my higher power will do its part, uh, his, her part, and um, it's all going to be fine. And what was really, I think, meaningful is something you just said about that cliff. Um, yeah, it, what, what seems like, you know, the, the fear of something being the end of the world, um, you know, in the past to me is not, you know, I think we've learned, or we learn, I have learned that even when bad things do happen, because they do, there are legitimate fears and bad things do happen. And once bad things happen, then we go on and life goes on and we end up in a different place that, um, you know, may be better in the long run. We We just don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're, it's it's never the end of the world, or it's never really off the end of a cliff. So speaking of steps, um, are there which steps sort of stand out for you as being steps of faith, steps that can build faith, or steps that need faith in order to really take them? Well, there's the obvious, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I think... You the, mean like steps two and three? Steps two and three yes. are the most obvious. I think step two would be the, hey, this this could work for me. And then step three, when we let go and say that we're gonna we're gonna allow, yeah. we're actually gonna gonna take that step and say this this will work for me. I'm going to let this go. But I don't know. There's almost a certain faith in um, step one and 
in our own powerlessness, having faith in that, that we're really not responsible for everything. So maybe mm. there's some faith in that, that mm. you know, that, um, but yeah, definitely, obviously steps two and three, three is the spot where we have to, we take that real leap. Yeah. Yeah. And I also see it in step seven in humbly asking God to remove our mm. shortcomings. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I have a, a sponsee who is, is struggling still with that, you know, what is their understanding of higher power? And, um, you know, they asked me, said, if, if I don't believe in God, then who is taking my character defects? And that's a hard question. Uh, and I've heard this asked in meetings, um, I think actually I was sitting in a meeting with you and the topic was uh, step seven out of the big book. And, mm-hmm. and that question came up, you know, um, if, if, if I don't believe in God, who's, who's taking my character, who am I giving my character defects to? And uh, it, it sparked some really interesting, exciting, sometimes, um, mm, I don't know exactly how to put it, conversation, let's say. And, uh, but it's, it's, and my answer at the time to my sponsee was, so you are putting your faith in a power greater than yourself already, which at least is the al program, that by coming to meetings, by getting a sponsor, by working the steps, um, you are saying, I believe that this process will enable me to to live my life better will enable me to be a better person and and you don't have to know you don't have to even have a who for your higher power you just you've already demonstrated a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of this higher power by continuing to work this program and if you can believe that by working this program, your character defects will be relieved, then that's step seven for you. Um, I don't know if it was enough. But <laughs> well, no, it, it, sound, it makes sense. I think I, I've, I've said before on this podcast the idea that um, action comes before motivation. Um, and when you take those steps, when you actually do the steps, whether you know who you're talking to or not, whether you believe there's anybody listening or not, I think once you go through the steps, see results, that's perhaps where the faith comes from, and that's where you're going to learn. I mean, sometimes you just have to do until you can feel, until you can really believe. So, Yeah. Yeah, and this, this person is facing some particularly um, difficult decisions and challenges in their life right now. And, and what I see from my perspective... Is that is that they're using the tools that they've learned here? They've they're they're using the ability to, you know, let go of the things that are out of their control. They're using the ability to s- stop and think and pray and listen to make decisions um, that are major decisions, major life decisions at this point in their life. You know, when we see this every day in meetings, we see people grow. We see people learn new ways of, of being. And and they're doing it, I, I believe that a lot of this comes from 
the faith in the program, maybe faith in God. Um, you know, changing the way we are is not easy. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and to say, yeah, I'm going to do this new thing and things are going to get better. I mean, that's when things are really horrible <laughs> sometimes. I was in a meeting a couple weeks ago and, and the, uh, the guy doing the lead was like, so I'm supposed to tell you what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. He said, well, that could be a really short talk. Because it was awful. <laughs> I went to a lot of meetings. I talked to a lot of people. I read a lot of literature. I worked the steps. And now it's a lot better. <laughs> like, the short story. <laughs> that's the short version of the story. Um, but I, I so connected with it. I mean, that's my story, right? And it, it's probably your story, too, to I some extent. Right? Yeah, it's a pretty common story yeah. in the meetings yeah. that I hear. Uh, and so when we hear that, when I hear that, and when I heard that early on, you know, that gave me faith to say, well, okay, let's do this thing. Let's, let's, let's make this decision. Let's, let's put my life and my will into the care of this, this Al-Anon higher power program. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's where I was then. And it, it doesn't say that it's going to happen overnight, that things are going to get better immediately. Um, it does promise that things will get better. And I can tell you, um, it's not often that I found instant relief in in something, but I have to say, in my very first Al-Anon meeting, when I, we read the, the part of the book that said that I was fighting a fight I couldn't win and I, that I didn't have to, mm-hmm. I felt instant relief right at yes. that moment. It was, this was a totally new concept for me. Um, mm-hmm. So And then it only got better from there, just with that one realization. Um, and then there's step work. So, yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm, I'm thinking about steps. I mean, um, definitely um, step eleven. I mean, continuing to practice prayer and meditation helps me to to increase my faith, to learn new ways of having faith, and to and to recognize the way that faith has worked in my life because the. The prayer and meditation for me is also a chance to pause, um, to take some time to reflect on on what is rather than what I think should be or what isn't, which is where I can spend a lot of my time. Uh, and and but also being a sponsor, watching this program work in other people's lives, um, and. I mean, yeah, just watching the program work in other people's lives. So today I can more often take that step. I can do that thing. I can look at the bank balance. I can say, what, how much money do we have? How much money are we spending? How do those things balance out? I can do that. I couldn't do that before. I can do that now. And that came from... Almost, I mean, really, honestly, that change came from taking step seven on that fear. Mm-hmm. From saying, God, I can't do this, please do it for me. And it was almost, I mean, I didn't necessarily feel it instantly, but what, I, what, what happened was, like, I took that step, and then um, I had to do some transaction at the bank. I don't know, I was depositing a check or whatever I was doing. And... 
so often I would do that and I would take the receipt and I would just stuff it in my wallet without looking at it, right? <laughs> I didn't want to see that number at the bottom. That was fear. And I did this transaction and I took the receipt and I looked at it and I was okay. I didn't fall over dead. My heart didn't <laughs> stop, you know? I was okay. And I was like, that works. Hmm. That worked for me in that moment. Um, you know, and sometimes we get these these really obvious, you know, little spiritual, that was a little spiritual awakening, you know, right? step 12, having had a spiritual awakening. It reminded me, I just was reading a, a Stephen King novel and... Um... There, there's a lot of AA stuff going on in there, and there was a couple of AA phrases that I, I did not, had not heard of. Um, one was fear, uh, f. I'm not going to say the f word on on the <laughs> okay. podcast, but f everything and run. Okay. <laughs> um, and then at the, you know towards the end, there's uh, fear, f e a r, face everything and recover. And I really like oh. that one very much. And when you when you talked about looking at the bank balance, yeah. Face everything and recover. I mean, that's yeah. that's exactly it. That, you know, learning really, how to face those fears and yeah, that really was that an experience okay. of facing, facing it in faith. Yep, that I was going to be okay, even if I did this thing that that I was afraid of, I was going to be okay. That feels like a good place to stop. I have another reading. This is also from One Day at a Time in Alanon, page sixty. It is not surprising that many of us regard as miracles the marvelous changes we see in our Al-Anon friends. It is living proof that Al-Anon does work. It transforms desperate, unhappy people into joyous, useful ones, often long before there has been any decisive change in the alcoholic situation. Al-Anon produces a change in attitude in us. It gives us perspective on our problems and shrinks them down to manageable size. As we learn to depend on our higher power through applying the Al-Anon program to our lives, Fear and uncertainty are replaced by faith and confidence. That is the miracle which we can bring about. And I like that word confidence, too. Hmm. I don't think we said that. So after a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and about what's happening in our lives. Our musical break is the group Blue October. Uh, their song is, called, is named Fear. And although the title of the song is Fear, with the, I really see this song as about overcoming fear through faith, whether it's faith in ourselves or faith in God. And some of the lyrics that, that I picked out, I, I love all the lyrics to this song, i got to say. Uh, it just really, really speaks to me of the journey uh, from fear through to, uh, to faith and action that, that I have found in this program. But I picked out a, couple, a, a few lyrics here. This fear in itself will reel you in and spit you out over and over again. Believe in yourself and you will walk. All my life, been running from a pain in me, a feeling I don't understand is holding me down. So rain on me. Underwater, all I am Getting harder, a heavy weight I carry around Today, I don't have to fall apart 
talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. I guess I'll start. I don't know, unless you want to start? Um, sure. I don't mind starting. Um, as far as uh, meetings go, let's see. Um, I think I've already said I'm in uh, another program as well. So um, there was a, a meeting earlier this week. Um it's actually a big book meeting that um, that we that we have, and um, I was really excited because for the longest time we only read the fir- the beginning of the book, the mm. oh, the first few chapters over and over again, um, because that's where a lot of the you know recovery meat is. Um, but there's an awful lot of good stuff farther along, and apparently these guys decided to start going through the entire book. I think so. This is all brand new stuff that I have never read before, so it's really 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 cool. Cool. Um, and then, um, on, uh, the Friday, um, the Friday night Al-Anon meeting, it was very, it was kind of a different, uh, it's something I've never seen talked about before. Uh, we did a daily reading and it was talking about sexuality and sensuality and, um, uh, what's the other word (laughs) for, Intimacy. Intimacy. That's the word yes. I'm looking Intimacy. for. Which um, that really, I, really hard topic. Yeah, it was. It was very interesting. Um, and I wish we could have a lot more meetings on that because everyone had a lot to say, and everyone talked about how it never gets talked about. And maybe it should come up in more meetings um, because these are these are things that we struggle with, uh, especially. I mean, in in Al-Anon, the, whether it be how we learn to express ourselves or not express ourselves or relate to other human beings and crave intimacy and reject it at the same time. And fear it. Fear it. Yes, absolutely. It, just re- it was just absolutely fascinating. And then um, this morning at another meeting, actually, I brought up a topic myself because as part of my week in recovery, it's been sort of a big one. Um, Somebody asked me to be their temporary sponsor in the other program, which again brings about uh, this fear versus faith yes, idea, yes. big time. Just like you were saying, the twelfth yeah. step. Um, you know, you feel like somebody has put their trust in you, and oh my god, you know, it's, it's their entire recovery dependent on me, kind of thing, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and realizing that that no, it's it's not. Um, it's an honor to be asked and to be trusted um, and having the faith, you know, praying and having the faith and going, I know that I know I'm not going to be doing this alone. I know that I'm not going to totally mess up somebody else's life any worse than they've already done it themselves. <laughs> well, there you go. Someone said this morning, you're not going to break anyone any worse than they're already broken. So <laughs> and having the faith that um, that 
that it's going to be okay. I'm going to do, um, I've been asked for a reason and I'm going to do the best that I can and I have help and it's going to be fine. So it was kind of a big week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Wow. My week, my last week and a half. Start with with what happened in my life. So last weekend I didn't record the podcast because I was attending my daughter's college graduation, which was a really uh, joyful experience uh, to see her uh, processing in with this huge smile on her face. I mean, just absolutely huge smile was was just amazing. Um, and, you know, also, I mean, sad for her because, happy and sad for her, because she has to say goodbye to a lot of people. And 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 then, you know, some stress because family. Um, you know, my whole family, my brother flew in from California, my sister-in-law flew up from Texas. Uh, we were staying with my parents, and and that's a stressor for me in large part now because of my mother's failing health. Um, that is, brings up fear, you know. Uh, and, and in this case, I mean, there's a, it, it's not an unreasoned fear. It's a fear that she's going to die, uh, which is going to happen, but it's a fear that she's going to die soon, which I don't want to have happen. Uh, and, and I know it will. Uh, and so I ha- you know, I really have to use my program to be, in the moment with her to not project the fear into the future and to, and to not let that fear affect the way that I can be with her. And it's semi-successful for me. Um, it's, it's better than last summer where I basically um, avoided visiting for the whole summer because I just didn't want to see her. You know, it's sort of like the bank thing, except you know, I don't want to see the bank balance. I don't want to see how far, how much further down she's gone. Um, and, you know, that that's not good for me. Uh, because if I persist in that, then, you know, she is going to die. And then I'm going to regret not having spent time with her. So, you know, it's, the program lets me, lets me deal with these, these hard things and to, to be in them and to, to say, you know, I only have to do this for today. If this is hard for me, I can do it today. And, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. And probably tomorrow I'll be able to do it too. Uh, the One day at a time. And uh, so that was difficult. I did go to a meeting uh, while we were there. Uh, it's a, a meeting that I usually try to make it to when I'm visiting my parents. And and that was that was good. Uh, there, was some, there was some good stuff in that meeting that uh, uh, I needed to hear. Um, so, uh, and, and I talked about, uh, the Wednesday meeting where I got the, uh, the idea for today's topic, um, went to a meeting yesterday morning, uh, it's a step meeting. We were at step 10, a lot of good discussion about step 10, about how step 10, which is to continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admit it, how it, it is, can be really instrumental in keeping our lives on track and keeping, um, you know, sort of keeping our side of the street clean. I think you said that before. That uh, I don't pile up stuff that that I'm going to have to go back and do a big 
uh, inventory and amends on if I can do a little one when it happens. Um, and I think, and I shared about the understanding that I came to in the last year about sort of how to work the steps on a situation, which I, I know I've, I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but in brief, it's like, first I recognize that this thing happened. Um, and I'm powerless over the fact that it happened. And I have to just accept that it happened, and that's step one. Uh, recognizing that there is help available and I can ask for it, that's steps two and three. If I need to pray on it, if I need to ask a friend in the program to help me understand or to help me work through something, I can do that. You know, I don't necessarily have to do it myself. Uh, I can take an inventory. I can try to, I can look at what happened and I can take some time to look at what was going on inside me when it happened. Um, you know, why did I say the thing I said? What was I feeling when I said the thing I said? Was I maybe angry or tired or scared? Um, I related it back to an incident that happened uh, um, by, uh, last year, about a year ago, where uh, I said some some things that were really, in a, at least in an inappropriate way, to a friend and. And another friend called me on it, and I and I and I stopped. And I, when I stopped and looked at, it, I realized what I was doing was was really old behavior about um, wanting people to like me, and the way that in which I would do that would be to sort of act out and tease them. Um, but that that wasn't appropriate in this context, um, and that let me then um, you know then I could share that with God, myself, with God, and with another human being. I could be ready to have that removed again, <laughs> to ask for it to be removed, and then to uh, move forward and make amends if I needed to, which I did. Um, and, you know, that whole process took maybe an hour. I mean, it was it, it, it almost takes longer to describe than it, it, it took, you know. Um, it wasn't a huge thing, but what it did was it, it got me back in a place where I wasn't feeling like the next time I saw this person I was going to, you know, have to hide or whatever, uh, and uh, and that you know is is uh, one of the things that step ten does for me. So yeah, it's been a uh, it has been a, a week full full week of stuff, um, definitely, and I've definitely had to use my program a few times during the week. So again, I I'm not going to commit to exactly what the topic is going to be next next week, uh, the next podcast, but I do know that Tradition 6 is coming up because June. Uh, and Tradition 6 says, our family groups ought never endorse, finance, or lend our name to any outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Although a separate entity, we should always cooperate with Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, th I like to reflect on the traditions both you know, as they relate to how our groups work, but also how they work in my life. And so I'd like to hear from you if you have thoughts, uh, experience questions about Tradition 6 or about, um, you know, today's topic of fear and faith. Uh, please uh, leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or your questions. Adrian, how can people send us feedback? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. 
If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of faith over fear, or next week's unknown topic, maybe <laughs> Tradition 6, maybe not. Yeah. If you have a topic you'd like to talk about, let us know. Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, hey, everything about The Recovery Show is on our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. All the information about the show is there, including notes for each episode, um, occasional meditations. Uh, we do put uh, links to the music we play, links to some other recovery podcasts and other websites that we like. You can uh, you can leave comments on the website. Um, take a look at our suggested topic list. Uh, you know, if you got something you really want me to talk about next week, uh, us to talk about next week, uh, just send an email or, or drop us a voicemail and let us know. And uh, music suggestions, I think I got a few more music suggestions this week. Thank you. And if you really would like to join the conversation, literally, uh, you could consider being a guest host by phone or Skype. Uh, and just email feedback at com if you're interested. And, and, you know, if you did that like a couple of months ago and I haven't gotten back to you, um, poke me again. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's sitting there in my inbox somewhere well below the fold. And, and I have just forgotten to, uh, and haven't, haven't gotten back to it. Uh, I, I, it's not, I'm not ignoring you because I'm not interested. Okay, so just give me a poke. Spencer, you know that a lot of people don't know what below the fold means, right? Uh, <laughs> it's a newspaper term, okay? Um, if the, uh, you want the headline above the fold on the newspaper so it will show when it's sitting on the newsstand, uh, you know, walk into Starbucks and look at, like, the New York Times that's sitting next to the uh, the cash register at the Starbucks. And, you know, it's folded, and this, the, the stuff that's, that's showing when you look at it is above the fold. Those are the top topics. So that's that's what it means. <laughs> Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> showing my age here. Hey, Adrian, uh, do we have voicemails or emails or comments this week? We do. But first, let's listen to If I Ever Lose My Faith in You by Sting. Um, and I picked this song because I, I just, it moves me greatly, um, talking about uh, all the things in, in the world, the, all the worldly things that, you know, perhaps we've lost faith in, um, talks about politicians and, you know, the state of the world, and we look at the newspaper, and, you know, it just, the world just seems like an ugly place. Um, and it says, if I ever lose my faith in you, I don't know. There's nothing else I could do. And I sort of relate that to, you know, in the past, I really, I used to think of it as a person. But it's not, there's no person that can live up to that. The only, the only thing I found now is my higher power. It sounds a little corny, but it's true. It's true.
right, well, we got we got a bunch of emails, um, and I think I will start with this uh, short email from Brenda. Brenda said, to Spencer and your wonderful guests, thank you so very much for your service and for this wonderful podcast. I have been participating with Al-Anon for about a year and a half, and I'm so thankful to be a member of this life-changing program. I am so thankful I found your podcast and appreciate the gifts of recovery that you freely share. I listen as often as I can and cannot convey to you how you have blessed my life. Thanks again, Brenda. Uh, Could you read the one from Julia? Certainly. I'm just writing in to say another thank you for all the work you put into this podcast. When I'm isolating and don't want to reach out, beware that 800-pound phone. Your podcast still keeps me thinking about recovery in that mode. Isolating seems to happen more for me now that I live alone without the active alcoholic in my life. I have a couple of musical suggestions. One could fit for almost any topic, and it's Ryan Adams's Stop. It's a song about his recovery in NA or AA, and I've been following his career since long before he got clean, so this song holds a lot of strength in my mind. The other song I was thinking about is by Ages and Ages, and it's called Divisionary, Do the Right Thing. The video is really poignant. Is that the right? Poignant. Poignant. You know, I know how to... That's so funny. I do know how to pronounce that, but I suddenly couldn't. And I think the message would be a good one for the slogan, do the next right thing, or anything related to anger or revenge. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to the the Ryan Adams. I have not listened to the other one yet, Um, but thanks for those ideas. Julia, and uh, I'm sure we will find a use for them. Um, we got a, a voicemail from Lori. She used the, the button on the website. Hello, my name is Lori. I am with an alcoholic. My family doesn't like him. I love him very much. Um, my family has to um, has, has sicknesses also. And um, maybe they have fear for me. That's one way that I'm dealing with fear. I am choosing faith over fear today because um, I love him and there's a lot of good. He supports me emotionally and then other times he's not. And that's okay because I need to do some stuff for myself. (laughs) And I'm learning to be more independent and Maybe that's a gift that he's giving me um, because it's awful hard to be dependent on someone when they are drunk. And um, yet I am codependent. It's uh, quite, a, quite a difference. I'm just hoping that today I find an apartment and that I can afford it for myself. And if he comes along, that's fine. And I'm hoping not to be embarrassed at times. I want, would love to hear or look for a podcast about. Um, and at that point, um, unfortunately, the, uh, the voicemail button only records a minute and a half. So um, it cut off. But, you know, that you take me back to, uh, to when I was just new in the program, living with my alcoholic and you know, not wanting to leave, choosing, I don't know if I was choosing or not, but I was not leaving. Um, and, uh, and, and as I, as I learned in the program to take care of myself, then I was able to actually choose in faith to stay. Um, and that took me, that took me a long time, uh, to get to the point where instead of staying out of fear of what would happen if I left, I stayed 
um, out of faith that no matter what happened, I could be okay. And that, uh, you know, when, if she found recovery, I would be there so that we could enjoy that together. So thanks for your, uh, thanks for your uh, feedback, Larry. Um, I, just, I just wanted to say, boy, I could really relate um, to that. You said some really wise things. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not possible to always count on um, an alcoholic to be there when oh, you need geez. them. Uh, but, um, but yes, I mean, we, we, we love them. Um, and, uh, you know, whether we choose to stay, is, that is a personal, it's a personal decision. This is actually something, it's, um, this might be a really good topic for the future, um, Spencer, uh, talking about, it, this has been on my mind lately. I was I was thinking about um, actually blogging about about this subject and asking for some some help with that. Um, when you're dealing with family who refuse to accept your loved one, um, and you're some you know, I think sometimes people are put in a position where they feel they have to choose between um, their qualifier and the rest of their family or certain members of their family. It's a it's a very difficult awkward place to be. It's a very uncomfortable place to be. And uh, it would be really interesting to hear, uh, to get some more input from other people in this situation to say how they handle it. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. When you were talking, I remembered when my wife was in treatment, her father called me. And I don't remember exactly the way he asked the question, but um, essentially he asked, that I guess that he felt he was getting advice from some people that that he should um, cut her off, that that he should. And I think what he was hearing about was detachment, but I think he was taking it as distancing. Um, and he said, "This doesn't sound right. Is this right?" And I said, "No, it's not." I said, mm-hmm. "You know, um, I think what they're trying to tell you is is to not get involved in trying to force her recovery." Um, but it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. And, and we do get these messages about, you know, we'll just, just leave. Just, you know, it's their problem. It's not your problem. Just leave. And, and, you know, I wasn't ready to do that. We received this email it says, hello, uh, I have been listening to your podcast for about three months now. My dad and brothers are recovering alcoholics. My dad stopped drinking when I was in second or third grade. My brother started drinking soon after my dad stopped. He continued to drink for more than 20 years. I knew I had issues since I was in grade school, but I thought I was controlling my issues and was doing just fine. Then I moved in with my boyfriend, now husband, last year, and I knew he did drink, but I thought I was fine with it because at that point he'd never been drunk in front of me. You don't really know how you're going to be until you're with someone 24-7. Turns out, if you have more than three drinks... I count drinks out of habit, but I consciously started to notice when I'd get antsy. I start to get a little nutty, and my issues rear their ugly head. On a scale of 1 to 10, both my dad and brother were at least a 20. Realistically, my husband is about a 3, but in my mind, he's nearing that 10. He has tendencies that make me uncomfortable due to past issues, and once he passes some imaginary thresholds that I make up in my mind, and often change daily, I get very agitated, and then my mind is off to the races. I realize it's not normal, but I'm not ready to step into an Al-Anon meeting and lay my life out there. Listening to your podcast and listening to others in online groups has helped me tremendously. When I feel like I'm going off the deep end, whether it's the husband, work, siblings, etc., 
I turn on your show, and by the end I have stepped off the ledge and see the situation in a different light, and my reaction is usually more rational than when I started. Since I started listening to your podcast, I've also started saving those motivational quotes that get passed around on Facebook. I save them to my phone, and when I'm in a particularly foul mood, I type them out in in an Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Just typing the words brings a sense of calmness to me because it shifts my focus to the big picture instead of nitpicking on what is wrong. Again, that's according to me. If I don't have new ones to add to the list, I reread what I have. Right now it's up to 300 or so. By the time I'm finished, I usually have a better state of mind. I do need Al-Anon in my life, just not ready to fully accept that. But listening to the podcast and joining online groups are huge baby steps for me. I'll get there. I didn't mean to ramble, but I just wanted you to know that people do listen, and it does make an impact. Thank you for the service you provide. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for writing. Um, It's really good to hear uh, from people who are at all different stages um, in their recovery, whether it's just sort of waking up to the fact that uh, maybe some recovery would be helpful to you or um, people who have been working it for a long time because, um, you know, it, it, uh, if nothing else, it helps me to, to know that, that what I'm doing has value. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I totally hear where you are. Um, I too was not ready to step into an Alana meeting for a long time. The only difference was that I didn't know I needed it. Uh, I knew it was suggested and I knew it was not something I wanted. So I guess I didn't know I needed it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, by the time I, came, by the time I finally came into the meeting, I didn't, care if I was going to be laying myself out on the line in front of total strangers or whatever, because the pain was just so much. I'm glad you're getting value from, from us and you're getting encouragement to, to someday go to a meeting. Um, and I do encourage you to do that. Um, there's also a lot of great literature out there. You know, if you can get your hands on the, uh, maybe the daily readers, since you seem to like to read, um, inspirational, uh, stuff. Uh, what is the, the main one? Um, the well, the, the courage, to, courage change. to change is the one that that most people like. It's it's a little newer than than one day at a time. Yeah, that one's really really good. Um, and um, uh, also, there's one called Hope for Today, which has readings that are really addressed at uh, people who grew up with alcoholism, and you might find mm-hmm. that one useful. And just to put in a little plug uh, about the website, if you go to therecoveryshow.com, up at the top, there's uh, a button labeled Books. Mm. And if you click on that, we have links to the places where those books are on sale from Al-Anon online. Uh, you may also be able to find them uh, in a bookstore in your area. And a little recovery goes a long way. And maybe one day you will be ready to get to a meeting. And I can only tell you that it is. I I did reading first and I gained an awful lot. From, I got a lot from it. And then I was ready for that next step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're ready when you're ready. And... My experience in the meetings in my area is that if you come in, uh, I mean, first off, you don't have to identify yourself as a newcomer, but if you do, um, you, the meeting will, you know, maybe give you a little extra attention. Um, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not, uh, a couple of the meetings that I'm in when a newcomer comes in, we each share a little bit of our own story so that you can, and, and you've probably heard us talk about this on the podcast before, but that's the way it is, but that, that. Even so, if you don't want to talk, we don't make you talk. 
You don't have to lay it out there. You can come in and say, you know, I'm just listening right now. Thank you for being here. And, uh, but walking through the door is a scary thing. No question about it. Uh, Adrian, can you read the uh, email from Margaret? Sure. This is cute. Hi. Uh, we want to thank you so, so much for your project and availability on iTunes. Passing the word for sure. A group of us have been debating what your graphics image actually is. Is it a moth? Is there a representation by the picture? We would really like to know from Margaret C. And uh, I, I emailed back to Margaret. Uh, but the, yes, it is a moth. It's a Luna moth. And that particular moth was uh, resting on the uh, screen door at my parents' house one day. And so I grabbed my camera and, and took a whole bunch of pictures of it. And and then when I was looking for some kind of a logo for the recovery show, I was just going through my photos. I'd also reached out to some friends saying, hey, you got any ideas? And then I was going through my photos and I saw that moth and I thought, oh, you know, that would work. I don't know exactly why. It just, you know, it's pretty. But also it had this sort of feeling of sort of, I don't know, calmness, serenity about it to me. Um, so yeah, and I, I did a little bit of work. I mean, obviously, I painted out the the screen door part, so it's just on a on a white background. But it is a real moth, and if you look closely at it, uh, you can see that there's some imperfections that help to tell you that it's real. All right, well, we're back. Uh, we were back today um, live on Mixler. I've been off for a little while with the various. Uh, um, recording at weird times and bringing in um, guests by phone. It's a little hard to do Mixler and Skype at the same time. So, um, you know, we'll work out those technical things eventually. But uh, you can listen live uh, when we're recording uh, most of the time. There's a listen live link at the top of the page. And while you're listening, you can interact with us and other listeners in the chat room. And uh, should be recording the next episode on June 1st. Uh, I'm going to aim for, for 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's 18 uh, Greenwich Time. That may move. We're having our, our churches, uh, my church is having its annual meeting that day, and so I may need to push it a little later because of that. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses. They're running about $60 a month, and you can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a number of ways. Um, we have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Becky, Ian, and Brenda did. And thank you again. And thank you, Becky and Brenda, for your continuing support. We have also put together a list of recovery-related books, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, when you order books through Amazon, uh, by clicking on one of the links on the website, we do get a small commission. And that also helps uh, defray our expenses, some of which actually go back to Amazon for uh, some file hosting. So thank you for your support uh, in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us, uh, telling your friends about the show, whatever it might be. We are here for you. I want to close the show with Breathe, parenthesis 2 a.m., by Anna Nalek. And I just have to say I love this song. Um, every time it comes on you know, the radio or the, uh, the rotation in my iTunes or whatever, I just... It's, it's one of those songs that just sort of relaxes me with the first, the opening of it. You know, it's like, oh, just breathe. Um, and, and it does have this exhortation in the, in the chorus to breathe, just breathe. And it's so calming for me. And, uh, and I was reflecting on this, uh, that a breath, you know, one of these deep, 
cleansing breaths can be just a very brief meditation. You know, just go, kind of let it out, let it out. And, and it, it lets me come into back into contact with my higher power and to be in the moment for at least the length of the breath. 2am and she calls me cause I'm still awake Can you help me unravel my latest mistake? I don't love him, winter just wasn't my season Yeah, we walk through the door so accusing Their eyes like they have any right at all to criticize Hypocrites, you're all here for the very same Cause you can't jump the track We're like cars on a cable And life's like an hourglass glued to the table No one can find the rewind button, girl So cradle your head in your hands Thank you for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace grow in you one day at a time Amen.